songs. Hey everyone, welcome to Why Mommy Drinks. This is your very tired host, Betsy Stover. Um, Today I am joined by uh, two lovely gentlemen. I will introduce the first one. He's my guest co-host today. He's also my husband, Ari Vukitis. Hello, America and all the ships at sea. (laughs) We have a lot of naval uh, people, just fishermen uh, who yep. lets into the show. And uh, uh, the crew of the HMS Trident, the nuclear submarine, if you are out there, keep doing your job protecting us all. Oh, they're out there. They email me all the time. Okay, good. Um, and also we are joined by, he is a he's a stand-up comedian. He's an actor. He's, uh, you, you've seen him on Netflix's Grace and Frankie. He's got a new podcast called Self-Quar. It's Baron Vaughn. Oh, hello, hello, hello. You know, sometimes when I'm on the podcast and... Uh, I have yet to be introduced. It is so difficult to not laugh. <laughs> just, I'm sitting here trying not to laugh at what the two of you are saying so far. Even oh. though we just started, I'm already like, this is fun and funny, but I'm going to be quiet until my name is said. You know, just <laughs> like third grade. You are so kind. Uh, I'm always the jerk who's like, <laughs> no one knows who I am. <laughs> But you're right. It's always weird. You have to pretend like you're not there. I've been on podcasts before where they'll do like 10 minutes before you get on and you're like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. And I never know if I'm muted. Um, right. can, I, can I react? Um, do you want me to sit here in stoic silence while you guys do comedy in front of me? Um, I'm not exactly sure what's expected of me right now, but I'll just, you know what? I'll just be quiet until they say my name. <laughs> Well, the, the good thing about being on a podcast with two improvisers who are parents is we probably have given up on the idea of having a plan and we'll just roll with it. That's fantastic. You know, I, sure. I it's funny because I've actually been thinking about improv a lot these days, but not uh-huh. even just the, the fact of improv, but sort of like the history of it. I'm because mm. I'm I'm a true comedy nerd. So like oh. I study the history of stand up, but I also studied the history of, you know, sketch improv comedy. And I was my friend was uh, talking about Nichols and May the other day, oh and she was like, "Have you heard of them?" I'm like, "Yeah, you mean two of the most influential comedians in the history of the United States?" Yes, I've heard of them, but they also were influential in a way before. I guess everything was kind of like there's that whole thing going around about how people are realizing that Catherine O'Hara from uh, Schitt's Creek has uh, done other things. Oh my God, they didn't, they didn't know. <laughs> Yeah. Dude, I mean, tell me, 24, 25-year-olds across the world are like, wait a minute, the woman from Shit's Creek was at home alone in Beetlejuice? That's like being like, uh, wait a second, Shaq from those general insurance commercials played sports? <laughs> wait, he's a genie? <laughs> I mean, I knew he played for the magic, but come on. <laughs> I like that he would be an actual genie. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like, with that, I have been thinking a lot because it does tie into parenting. So, you know, I'm sorry to fully take over the podcast right away. No, we're Uh, so happy to have you here. Thanks for yes-anding me. But uh, I was telling my friend about Nichols and May and talking about um, the Compass players in St. Louis. Oh, look at this. went to Chicago to become Second City. Oh, Baron, you are speaking my language. Mm -hmm. Did I study with Paul Sills and Keith Johnstone? Yes. Oh, oh, pardon me. Oh, pardon me. I don't fuck around. Did you go to their, like, fucking summer camp or whatever it was? In Door County? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. In Door <laughs> County, Wisconsin, I went to that camp with Paul Sills. You're absolutely correct, oh, Bessie. Did you do that? <laughs> no, but I always looked at I always looked at it like, hmm, should I go to improv camp? Um, but I didn't. I did. It was intense. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, Baron, have you read something wonderful right away? Uh, no, I haven't. I have it <gasps> right here. Uh, I mean, I have it on my bookshelf, but I haven't actually read there it. There you go. Oh, it's a good book. You'll well, <laughs> I guess you know you'll love it. You have it, and, and maybe one day. <laughs> It's so good. Anyway, go on, Baron. You're thinking about improv and how it relates to parenting. Yes, because my fr- because I've studied improv. I've read improv. You know, I've read improvisation for the theater. So it's like I kind of go like, oh, okay. So John Stone, Viola Spolin. Viola Spolin was Paul Sill's mother. Mm-hmm. And and then I was telling my friend, who herself is an immigrant, that oh, actually she's she's adopted from a different country. I guess that technically counts. I don't know. Yeah, but. I was telling her, yeah, but I was telling her that the, all of it came from working with immigrant children in Chicago. I was like, the whole house is the mm. place where Viola Spolin, Paul Sill's mother, created these or, you know, these exercises to help children that weren't all speaking the same language continue to play, be creative, and learn these social skills. And then those things became the games that, you know, are now taught at Second City and, you know, all of the all of the different, um, uh, um, what's the word I want to look for? I want to say record labels. Uh, I, say, <laughs> I say dojos, but that's also probably not true. Dojos. Dojos is good because it's like Second City and then there's I.O. Yeah, and then there's I think theater of it sports like, and like a, a Enter the Dragon and... kind of thing, right? Where it's like, this guy's from UCB. He knows monkey kung fu. And this is like the guy from I.O., you know? Oh, yeah. Styles. That's yeah. a great way of looking at it. That's great. Ba- Baron, you just taught me something. I knew that Viola Spolin or Viola Spolin had taught children, but I had no idea – I didn't know what kind of kids or under what circumstance. I I always just figured she taught like theater classes for kids who signed up for her fucking theater class. I, that's really interesting. Yeah. I also don't know if it's Viola or Viola, but I do know <laughs> that she, yeah, it was like immigrant children in Chicago. So it's kind of Very like, cool. I don't, I think they were from different, all kinds of different countries. She's an immigrant herself as well. Oh, so I it was didn't kind know that. Of, yeah, I think she was from, ugh, I want to say she's like Romanian or something dumb, but like <laughs> something dumb. No, 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 offense to, no offense to all my Bucharesties, but like, uh, with the you know, I don't. Sylvanian forests and the vampires. Fuck those guys. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, she's, let me see if I can find out where the heck she's from. But yeah, she was, she was considered, oh, wow. She was actually born. November 7th, 1907. Yes, I'm looking at the, the Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> Baron, you know, I love she was that actually born in Chicago. She was born in Chicago? Mm-hmm. I love that you know all of that stuff because, you know, I've been doing improv for like 25 years and uh, and I know all that stuff, but kids these days don't oh, know yeah. all that stuff. Oh. And, I, and it it really bugs me that they don't know the history of improv. There's like in nothing... the most basic way. Well, I think that about every art form yeah sure it's Baron, an, it's I, annoying to me i had a class i think it was back when i was in new york but i i had a, an improv class and uh all kinds of ages right everyone's like you know in their teens to their 40s you know 18 people not one of them had heard of a tribe called quest and i'm still mm. shaken by that like you don't have to like it you don't have to but that no one had heard of them i was like that's the thing that made me feel like oh i'm ancient I guard hmm. the cup of Christ in a cave. 
Well, here, before we get too far off track, so I have three kids. Um, They are all boys. I share them with Ari. And uh, we have a a four-year-old, although he is very soon to turn five. So a four-year-old, I'll say it just maybe one of the very last times, an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. What have you got over there, Baron? (laughs) <laughs> I've got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Um, I've lost <gasps> track of the exact months. The one-year-old is probably 18 months now. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure he is 18 months. The three-year-old – so the three-year-old's birthday was in October, and the one-year-old's birthday was in June. So he's probably 18 months now. It's December. But You like, can 100% let go of the month, month count on that three-year-old. No one wants to hear you. Know, you know, yeah. My son's 41 months. When, when you have one kid – it makes sense because mm-hmm. every month is an eternity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then the second child comes and you don't remember time. No. <laughs> light or or, or light. movement. Yes, just kind of like what is what, what is happening? What is this in the sky that is illuminating? Oh, there's a sphere of fire. Baron, Look are they both boys? It, children. Yes. Yes, they're okay. both little boys. So um we see you hi um we've been there having two like a baby and a toddler at the same time is fucking intense and like little boys are fucking intense how you doing well you know luckily they're they're both quite um they're both very independent i guess that's the only way i can kind of put them put it like they're self-sufficient to an extent you know obviously the the one-year-old is is you know speaking gibberish and stuff um the older child is speaking full sentences which is insane but it's kind (laughs) of like man i remember when you just couldn't say anything but it's like it's yeah it's it's been good they're both um they like to run they like to climb and jump and do all of these very boyish things you know oh, they're so, climbers what oh, have they climbed so far anything in your house everything i mean like oh boy i i'm sometimes i've turned i've turned around and found them on tables um <laughs> like you know there was uh we have this like we got this really nice stupid decision by the way really nice coffee table before we had children oh, like well, when yeah, we moved together we had children. oh yeah we had this we had this nice repurposed wood it's like beautiful to circle and now it is disgusting because it's the number one place where the children eat and so it's like it's got all of the oatmeal and cracker pieces and you know spinach in all of the different crevices they've spilled i don't know how much water on it so like all the wood is warped and it also is like it's not well balanced. I mean, I bought a table never thinking I would stand on it. But <laughs> these children for, have decided I'm going to stand on it. And that's when I find out that, oh, this is oblong. <laughs> like, Ooh, right. it's not meant to be stood on. Like, it doesn't have Yikes. four legs. Yes. Uh, so now I'm like, this is going in the trash when we move from here because <laughs> this was a bad – this is why we can't have nice things, as they say. Oh, mm-hmm. we don't have nice things. And that's precisely why. Also, we're broke all the time, but also we're, <laughs> you know, the children will just ruin stuff. Um, that's another thing, by the way, that's that's been stressing my wife and I out. What? Is, well, you know, they're picky with what they want to eat. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's a pandemic, you know, so it's kind of like we get our food and it's not like, yo, we're not going to just 
throw everything away, you right. know, like that you throw on the ground. Like that's food. We right. need that. Like it's, this is the world is not right. But they don't get it yet. They're just like, I don't want it. And then you're like, no. <laughs> that's my yes. version of me doing a children play. No. Children are wasteful and in ungrateful. It is true. <laughs> but just this generation, we were great. <laughs> no, our, we have really picky kids too, and they definitely are. Um, they'll like eat. You know, you'll you'll give them a whole meal. They'll eat like two bites, and then they'll walk away and be like, "I'm not hungry. I want cereal." Or what? You like the. And you're like, you have a whole fucking plate of food right there. And they're like, but I don't want that. Mm-hmm. And it drives me fucking nuts. Well, I, I'm just learning a lot about the sort of nature-nurture balance. Like, you know, Betsy mm. and I are both very sort of adventurous eaters. And we like all this stuff. And we keep introducing the kids to new stuff. And I keep waiting for them to catch up. And they're not. And like we were talking about improv at the top of the show. You know, Betsy and I are improvisers. We've been improvising for longer in our lives than we haven't been. That's how we met. So we mm-hmm. thought, like, we are steeped in a, we bleed yes and if you cut us. And But if you want to know if two improvisers have kids, if they are yes and people, no, they are not. Uh, there is no <laughs> genetic component to that. There's uh, a lot of mm. argument scenes. <laughs> mm. I'm trying so hard with that, too. Like, it's really like, I don't want to yell at them because I don't think that that's going to do anything. Right. You know, like, it, they, they won't remember what I said. They'll just remember mm-hmm. how I said it, but you can't help but have an emotional, you know, outburst yeah. because it's yeah. like things are, especially when it's like, I mean, there's, there's always the, you know, the cooking of the food and the preparing of the meal. And then the moment you put it in front of them, they throw it to the ground. And like, I've seen it in movies and TV shows and would think, ah, that's cute. But right. when it really happens, I'm like, this is the worst. This is the worst. <laughs> You have to eat, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. My and I just me- went through all work and now you just gave me more work because now I have to clean it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. infuriating. My parents told me all these cute stories about me being picky and throwing food around when I was a kid. I was like, oh, ha ha. And now that I have it, I was like, boy, I have a much worse sense of humor about this stuff than my parents did. <laughs> I don't know if I'm more controlling. Like, I'm starting to think that my parents almost more like let me grow up and guided me and we're like oh how's this guy gonna turn out and with my kids i'm very much like no you cannot do this because you know like our oldest kid is has in, has inherited every comedy and joke telling gene that we have but he has also <laughs> oh, got a meanness gene spliced in there yeah he's a little <laughs> slytherin he's a little slytherin <laughs> he's don rickles as fuck i don't know where it comes from and it's it's very reflexive like and sometimes it's sort of harmless right like if like oh rex you take out the trash you'd be like you're trash right but like whatever right but the thing is he does it all the time and it's 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 a sort of like waldorf and statler from the muppets he just sort of sits in the back and he'll have these these uh um comments that are funny but they're unnecessarily mean and it's one thing oh, he's yeah. trying to like dunk on his dad but his brothers will cry about it you know and so then mm. i'm in this position of like now i'm stepping in right away so now i'm heckling like it's the worst <laughs> Oof. yeah, yeah. It, it, it is because also it's like and for me, a big, 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 big thing that I am working on that this is because I feel like there's nothing like being a parent to cure you of your own childhood. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Be- because it's like it's it works on multiple levels. I mean, the moment that my my first son was born, you know, when I 
you know, I was there. <laughs> but <laughs> good job, good job. Not everyone. The moment is there. he was born, I know that's true. That is true. <laughs> the moment he was born, my dad wasn't. <laughs> High five to no one. You, uh, you, you cured your childhood, Baron. You did it. Well, <laughs> this is this is where this is where it gets this is where it starts to get deep, Ari. Oh, here um, we go. I'm into it. Well, it is really that I can see that I was not parented by the fact that I have to, you know, so there's the one, the Mm -hmm. one element of the, I guess the surface acceptance of like when my son was born, my first thought was, it is not only about me anymore. It was Mm -hmm. like, wow, there he is. It's just not only about me. It's not about me. It was, it was like a selfishness or a self-centeredness or something that kind of (sighs) evaporated. It was like, I have to it was a protection instinct, you know, like that fatherly instinct was immediately there. Like I got to make sure that he's okay. You know, it disassembles your sense of self and it reassembles it from memory. And the result is different. Yeah. And that's where I'm seeing the holes in my memory or I'm (laughs) seeing the things that I did not receive because I have to literally give it to a child. Uh So it's like, wow, I didn't, I did not receive what I am now having to give to you. So in a sense, I'm getting it. From the idea, you know, like they say, like, oh, you learn from teaching, like I'm mm-hmm. receiving it from giving it to my child. But at the same time, it makes me sort of, well, very depressed, um, mm-hmm. more conscious of what you were, what you were not receiving. Yeah, there were, there's a spiritual leader named um, Almas. And the way that he describes it is holes. He talks about our essential self and the holes. So your essential self, your essence, that's just who you are. It's what you're born with. You are a bright shining light. And then the world happens to you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it also happened to everyone around you. So you're getting the world, you're getting parented, you're getting socialized. And all of those things fill you with holes. You know, they, mm. they, they take things away from you. They make you believe things about yourself that are not essential. Mm-hmm. For instance, I'm a piece of shit, right? Mm-hmm. You, if you know, if you had the experience where someone treated you like a piece of shit, you know, when you were a kid, um, then you were going to internalize that in some way, and either you're going to internalize that as I am not a piece of shit, and you're going to always have that reaction to anything that feels similar, or mm-hmm. you're going to go, I am a piece of shit, and right. have that reaction. So it's like it could go either way, right? It depends on eight hundred other billion personality aspects, but. The idea of it is that we do a lot to avoid feeling that which has been taken from us, to feel Ah. the the emptiness that Mm -hmm. our holes, our pain, our hurt, shame, guilt, anger, all these whatever the hell you want to call them, you know, feelings, emotions, um, the feels, as some people call them. I was going to say feels. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. when my son is upset and I comfort him, in that moment, I realize I was not comforted when I was a child. Oh, yeah. You know, like I was raised by an addict. It was just her, you know. And so, and my father was gone. Like I said, you know, he, he, when he found out I was born, he was like, not it. And then, um, oh, shit. And then I found him, um, you know, I tracked him down. So now we actually know each other. (laughs) Wow. When? A year before my son was born. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I and a lot of it has to do with the fact that I was in this relationship with someone that 
it was the longest relationship I was in. It, it was like someone I knew I wanted to be with. Mm-hmm. This idea, the ideas of marriage and children, things that I guess I never thought would be for me, mainly because of how I was raised, mm-hmm. were it was becoming clear that it was for me and it was something that I wanted. Like even when my ah. wife told me she was pregnant, you know, my first reaction, because it, 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 it was a mistake, a quote unquote mistake. But like my first reaction wasn't like, oh, no, what are we going to do? Like I'm 15. Mm-hmm. You know, my first reaction was like, oh, like I was excited and like felt like I am ready for that. Ugh. I do want to. I am an adult. Mm-hmm. I, I am ready to be an adult because otherwise I've been holding on to I've been mourning my childhood this entire time. Mm-hmm. Been, been feeling been feeling like, you know, I don't have anything else to put in those places. But now having my own children, like I, I guess you, it's like it, it being able to provide and mm-hmm. to see to comfort and to and to be able to move on, you know, even if it takes a while and uh, it doesn't work exactly as I wanted, it still ends. It's still they still stop crying at some point, you know, and then want to do something else. And so even just that simple thing is a, is it's it's brought me so much. I guess, comfort in a way like, wow, I, I don't know everything. I don't have to know everything. I just have to, to be here. I guess I'm kind of learning how to be here for myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. See, I, I come to it from almost the opposite. So I, hmm. my parents did a great job. And, <laughs> and the, I, I don't want to, I don't know if it's my parents. parents. Amazing. I mean, other than Ari's the, parents are amazing. Other They're than the fact really that you, good parents. You know me and you can extrapolate maybe how they fucked it up. Um, <laughs> but, but the result is that I am not fully able to confront and be comfortable and own my shortcomings. So I keep waiting mm. for, well, when I'm, I'm going to get to a point where I'm financially stable and organized, right? Because my dad was like that, right? <laughs> oh, I'm going to know what to do about this. I'm going to know what to do about that, right? So, so I've got my sense of discovery can almost go the other way. I mean, I, I think as a kid, obviously, I mean, what a luxury to have such mm. great and tolerant and present parents. But it's you also grew up in a, um, Massachusetts, in yeah, right? in Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Are you from Boston, Darren? I went to school in Boston, so and I know a lot of Bostonians uh, and mass holes, so I'm, I'm very familiar with the Northeast. <laughs> yeah, I, I think of you as part of the sort of Boston comic gang. I was, uh, yeah, because when I was at BU, I started doing stand-up, and so <laughs> I met Mike Kaplan, like, in my first year of stand-up, and there was all these different people around, you know, like... Uh, Joe Mandy and uh, I, I can I could go on and on. Sure, um, you know those are, those are the people who are younger than me. Right. <laughs> I'm only going to name anyone who's younger than me, uh, except for Mike. Mike's the same age as me. But like, yeah. So it's kind of like I was I was there, you know, and I started doing stand up there. So yeah, I knew a lot of uh, and and also like Improv Asylum and Improv Boston. I was going to every single venue I could find. Baron, where did you grow up? Las Vegas, Nevada. Oh! Oh wow! Nope. You know, it's it's interesting what that's you wrong, just. That's the wrong reaction. I love your point of view on uh, on sort of seeing the gift of parenting through sort of uh, well, all all of the things that you just said, because I feel like I 
oftentimes see it not as a gift or a positive. I often look at it like a negative, which is like, I don't know what I'm doing because I didn't see how to do this. Mm -hmm. And I I often liken it to like parenting in the dark. I feel like I'm just Mm. sort of stumbling around and I'm not exactly sure how to do this because it was never modeled. But but I like your perspective. I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to Think of it like that more. I mean, um, it's, it's fake it till you make it. It really, it really <laughs> is. It really is, you know, because it's kind of like, and it's not always positive, obviously. I, I also don't think it's supposed to be. I don't mm-hmm. think it's supposed to be amazing and awesome and rewarding at all times. Like, of course, it's going to be difficult. Well, They're thank God, because it's not. <laughs> I have to wash poop. Like that's <laughs> my wife has an especially, you know, especially sensitive gag reflex. She could smell a dirty diaper from across the room. It's like ah, it's already starts vomiting. I'm like, you know what? I'll get it. Um, <laughs> right, like, Baron, if we were hanging out 10 years ago and I was like, uh, hey, man, uh, one day someone's going to shit on you during dinner and you're going to keep eating dinner. You would have been like, oh, fuck, what? But like, no, that's what happened <laughs> all the time. I would have been like, wow, I wasn't expecting myself to become best friends with Artie Lang, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. I am so excited. I have been wanting Magic Spoon to sponsor our podcast forever. You know, growing up, I only got to have sugary cereal on Saturday mornings. And when my kids have sugary cereal, I am racked with guilt. But check this out. In each serving of Magic Spoon cereal, there are 11 grams of protein, only 3 net grams of carbs, and 0 grams of sugar. And it tastes amazing. It is honestly too good to be true. It is keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. They sent us four flavors. Cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. Dude, the fruity one? My whole family could not believe that there was no sugar in it. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, (laughs) but the fruity flavor that they had tasted to me just like Fruit Loops. And the cocoa flavor to me tasted just like Cocoa Pebbles. And I love those cereals and I can't have them. I mean, I, I mean, I guess I could, but I don't feel good having them. I don't feel good giving them to my kids. But with Magic Spoon, I can let them eat these delicious cereals guilt-free. So go to magicspoon.com slash WMD to grab a variety pack and you can try it today. And be sure to use our promo code WMD at checkout to get free shipping. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. But I have to tell you, you are going to love it. So go check it out. That's magicspoon.com dot com slash WMD and use the code WMD for free shipping. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring Why Mommy Drinks. Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well, easy and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle, whether you're doing keto, paleo, plant-based diets, or if you just want to eat healthier. And they have a wide variety of high quality, clean ingredients that you can feel great about eating. And you can feel good about how it got to your table. Green Chef is the most sustainable meal kit, offsetting 100% of its direct carbon emissions and plastic packaging in every single box. I find a lot of times meal 
kits can have very wasteful packaging, and Green Chef was the most impressive one I've ever seen. It wasn't super wasteful, and everything was recyclable. So let Green Chef do the meal planning, grocery shopping, and most of the prep for you week after week. My husband and I both loved the meals that Green Chef sent. These meals exposed us to new flavors, new recipes that we wouldn't normally make, and they were truly easy and quick. I could not have been more impressed with Green Chef. So you know we've been sponsored in the past by HelloFresh. Green Chef is owned by HelloFresh, so you can even switch between all of the different brands depending on what you're looking for that month. And now Why Mommy Drinks listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount. Go to Green Chef dot com slash WMD 80 the number 80 and use the code WMD 80 to get $80 off including free shipping again that's greenchef.com slash WMD 80 and use the code WMD 80 to get $80 off including free shipping Well, here, Ari. Do you want to? Do you want to start? What What sure. is broken? What is broken? You? It's a. It's not broken, but it's a. It's an interesting challenge that I found myself confronting a lot recently, which goes a little bit to what I was talking about about how like interventionist to be as a parent. And it's, what do I do when my kids are just casually lying with no real mm. consequences? <gasps> so they're like, lying so much lately, and I never know what the fuck is up. And most of it's harmless mm-hmm. but i think but i don't know right so like mm. today but like someone has written right. on our wall downstairs three times and we still don't know who the fuck did it <laughs> no we know who did it it was it was ajax but they're right unified? Ajax. they're unified against you are they in the united front <sighs> i think so in a way i mean i think it's all directed by a central brain uh, <laughs> which is the 10 year old uh, um, oh, he's the, the uh, he's the queen bee. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, he really is. And they're uh, yeah. Well, this morning. Um, so one thing they like to do is our oldest Rex, especially, is so so I both my older kids talk in their sleep, and mm. they don't usually say anything revealing, but it's it's uh, gibberish, but it's often enough that you can tell what they're talking about right mm-hmm. uh, what they're dreaming it's about. like a butt dial are you it saying, is like a butt dial are you saying that these these that they're incriminating themselves and just no, <laughs> sleep uh, talking no 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 not exactly <laughs> i wish not exactly. although uh, i have seen rex angrily choreograph a dance in his <laughs> you did yeah, yeah yeah where he was like no move like this ajax wow uh, yeah while sleeping while sleeping wow so, like, but so here's the thing so be, but because they know that this is the thing right? People talk in their sleep and reveal stuff because I have mentioned it. They are, Rex especially, constantly claiming, completely implausibly, that people have said stuff in their sleep, right? Oh. So, so it'll be like, so he'll say like, uh, and, and why are they doing this? Well, because it's funny and they want to get a reaction. I understand. I used to do this stuff too, right? But so like hmm. today, it, I'm, I'm, it, these aren't the exact details, but essentially Rex was like, um, I got up at five this morning and I heard you talking to your sleep and you were talking about battle cats. Right now, obviously, this is bullshit, but also <laughs> who cares? 
right? So I don't <laughs> tend to correct it. But the problem is that sometimes once you let it go once, which obviously I've done, that establishes this as, as a thing. So now they are starting to accuse each other of doing what you said, Baron, which is like blowing up their own spot in their sleeve. So so mm, one will say something wow. like, oh, so-and-so has a crush on so-and-so. And I know because he was talking about it in his sleep. But it's like, well, no, because the way <laughs> from my experience of REM sleep, it, te- it when it happens to you guys, it's like 2 to 4 a.m. It's like never a time when you're up where you'll be like, oh, I got up like half an hour early. And I heard Ajax singing this, this, this. It's like, no, you fucking did it. <laughs> but then, but is it my job to truth squad them to Snopes everything they say? Because that is exactly my pet peeve mm. with my oldest kid. Because my my uh, middle kid Ajax, he'll make up stuff constantly too. But I don't know. It's almost more charming because it's so clunky and inelegant. <laughs> so you'll say he'll be like, "I have a friend in India, and we talked on the phone, and she taught me how to say hello in Indian, and it's bloggity blue, right?" Right. And, and then <laughs> he does that, and you're like, "But I know that's right? not at all true." Like, Here's how you say pizza in Korean, and then just like babbles. So, oh my like, god, he lies about knowing other languages wow. all the time, right. and, and he lies to us, which is hilarious. Like, I, I think I, we would have known that you if you knew Russian or something. I almost feel bad saying lies because here's the thing: Why does he do? it well because in this family of comedians attention is currency and his Mm. older brother is is very gifted and is advanced in school and learned to read early right so there's also this feeling of i want to have all these unique experiences too Mm. right so but the thing is when if ajax will say like i talked to my friend in india and i speak a little indian whatever right i'll be like all right but rex (laughs) We'll be like, oh, really? Let's examine the facts, right? And then fucking bust out his like Hercule Poirot mustache and notepad and like <laughs> prove him wrong. And tr- and so I'll always say like, Rex, you don't have to true squad everything. You need to stop because it's always, I mean, here's the thing. He's always right, but it's always a little funny, a little mean. And the tenor changes from my middle kid getting attention for bragging about something to defensively squealing, stop, stop, stop. Because Rex has called him on it. And I don't know what to do because my behavior has absolutely enabled both wrong choices here. And I I am sort of curious, Baron, what do you do? I mean, is your three-year-old diabolical yet? I don't know. Three is a little early. I think yet is the operative word. Yet is the operative word. Yes, he is. I mean, I don't really know your (laughs) wife, but I know you. So, like, yeah. (laughs) No, we talk about it a lot. I mean, she talks about it a lot because she read somewhere that children lying is like a sign of intelligence. Oh, right. Oh, good. And that it does have. Yeah, yeah, you got little geniuses. (laughs) But I think your read about, like, the social rules that have been established is pretty dead on, you know, like attention is currency because mm. Savion does that too. Uh, Savion's my oldest. He, yeah. he loves to throw a fit or get a giant laugh. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and now he has the little baby to compete with who mm. is now like, he just started jumping. So it's like, he can walk and run and stuff, but now he started jumping and now he likes to kind of sway dance but Savion's like no I'm gonna dance Aha. and so he wants to kind of not necessarily outshine although we have done this really this thing about like making sure to include the youngest the baby in most things because mm-hmm. even the baby Jimon is, is the baby's name he goes to sleep you know earlier obviously but like 
we make sure that like Savion says goodnight, you know? So it's like, we're like, all right, Jimon's going to bed. Go say goodnight. And so whatever he's doing, he'll stop and he'll say goodnight, Jimon. And sometimes he'll walk into the room with us. That's smart. And, That's and a like, good idea. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, cool. So it kind of becomes like we acknowledge yeah. when everyone's going to sleep or everyone's waking up. Like when not, when one of them wakes up from a nap, it, it's like a kind of a, not a, not a, you know, like a celebration. Right. But it's kind of like, hey, you're back well, sort you're of a thing. You're building it into the social fabric. You're building a context. Exactly. Which so I think is super important, which is why but, I force my kids to apologize, even though I know it's bad parenting. But here's <laughs> the thing about that, because, yeah, this is a tricky one, because it's kind of like thinking about the stuff that you can sort of like front of the brain actively teach them. And then the stuff that you are subconsciously, unconsciously teaching them, just like the behavioral rules that they pick right. up. And, you know, being a family of comedians, you know, people who have lightning. Fa- my, my wife is a writer, you know, uh, she's not a comedian, but she is very funny. But having this kind of, you know, lightning quick back and forward, we like to talk about all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So it's like, according to some people, our kids talked a little early, but we don't know because we didn't have any other children. Right. <laughs> but it's like, we're like, well, we talk all the time. We're, we're constantly talking. You know, we're talking about what we're watching. We're talking about the news. We're talking about what they're doing. And so they, they, they pick it up. But the stuff that is like the, the unintentional education, mm-hmm. that's the stuff that is tricky because as a uh, friend of mine who he was a, He's actually the creator of the first pilot I ever did, uh, the the showrunner of the first show I ever did. And he happened to come into the improv like a year ago, you know, when it was still safe back in the day. Uh, <laughs> and I hadn't seen him in a while. I guess a mutual friend of his produced the show or something. And I did this stuff about being a dad and all this stuff. And he was like, wow, because he had met me when I was like 25 or 26 or something. And he was like, wow, you're a father. That's amazing. And he said to me. The child that reminds you the most of yourself is the one that you will have the most difficulty with. Oh, and so I was far like, that's accurate. I know. <laughs> I know. It really is because I'm seeing, because you're seeing the behaviors that you do oh, yeah. that you're not sure you're sure of. Right. Right. I, here's another thing, which is um, I like you have to also sort of teach them to lie a little bit because that is something they need to do. So like I have, I don't think this is necessarily good parenting, but maybe it is. I remember with my, my 10 year old will not apologize. My eight year old will apologize while he's in the middle of misbehaving and keep misbehaving. Right. But I uh, hate that. He's like in the middle, in the middle of like kicking you in the head and you're like, ow. And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you're like, no, no, we need to slow down and talk about why right. that wasn't okay. And he's like, I know. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But my 10 my year old can't even sincerely fake an apology. And no, I've, he's I've like, even, I didn't I even kick him. you in the head. Right. And I've had to tell him, I was like, look, sometimes you can not be wrong but still apologize. And that's Mm -hmm. necessary because your life Mm. is going to be full of people whose decisions you don't respect, who you're going to be mad at, and you're allowed to be mad, but you won't be able to show that. And being able to Mm. look at someone and be like, hey, I'm sorry, I screwed up. Even if you didn't, Mm -hmm. you need to do that. So I am teaching him to be dishonest, but I think at this point, that is one of the skills he needs. (laughs) Well, I mean, you're teaching him to have tact you know, or to choose your battles, right. I would say, yes. because that's a different like work. Cause that's a big thing right now, obviously with the pandemic, it's kind of like, you know, we haven't seen anybody else um, 
you know, this whole time, basically, at least through a window. I ended up yeah. working on a TV show a little bit that was luckily following all the, the rules really well. And uh, like I walked out of there realizing I'd seen so few faces and I was like, oh, I never saw anyone on the crew's face. And I realized that that was a good thing. <laughs> you know, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But even though I was like, oh, they're such nice people. Oh, I don't think I ever saw anyone's mouths when right. I was talking to them. <laughs> but like, which is fine. But the point is that <laughs> they, you know, my wife and I get very concerned about the socialization shit. The fact that they're not around other kids. Yeah. And that the other kids that they're seeing are either on a screen um, or animated. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's kind of like and screen time and stuff, you know, I'll get to that when it's uh, my turn to talk about what's breaking me. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of the point that I'm trying to make is that it's a hard one because you want to it's almost like you want to police this behavior. But at the same time, they're exhibiting the exact qualities that make the two of you unique. Right. And and make the two of you exactly who you are. So it's like. Are they liars or are they creative? Right, exactly. You know? Are they liars or are they actors? Right, because also, <laughs> like, how are they going to act when, when we're when you're not around when you're with other people? Right, that's the thing. It's like the way kids act at home, you know. And I'm only starting to see this. I've seen it a little bit. When our oldest is around others, he is not the same person. Yeah, oh. you know, he's a, he's much shyer. You know, yeah. he doesn't feel as free to take up the space. I would assume a ten year old feels much more free. No, but that's true. Our son, our, our oldest is so bombastic and sucks all the air up in the room whenever he's in one. And But when he's in like school and stuff, it's not necessarily like that. Yeah, he's much more shy and quiet. Yeah. So it's almost so, like I should be happy that they're committing to the character of disrespectful asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. It's a hard thing. This This stuff, interpersonal stuff. Social emotional learning, I this is where I start to get lost for myself. Same. Yeah. Because of my own childhood and just kind yeah. of like social rules and how to how to navigate your your world, but also how to behave in a way in which you feel like you can be honest and upright, mm -hmm. but also, you know, and take up your space, but also not step on others, you know, right. and not like be be elbow checking you know like shoulder yeah. checking people and stuff like that so it's <laughs> like that those those are the things that i'm like how do i teach them how to do that but yeah. that's the stuff where school and i have a lot of opinions about school school <laughs> teaches that and i don't think they do it well yeah yeah, yeah i don't know how to <laughs> i don't know how to make friends and i've never understood that mm, and Betsy, i am so with you yeah and so like when when <laughs> I want to like help our kids make friends. And I see my friends doing lots of socializing all the time. And maybe it's also because I'm an introvert and I'm exhausted by interaction. Mm -hmm. But but I, I'm like, oh, right. They're like they're like training their kids how to be social and like make friends. And I have no idea how to do any of that. But, but by the way, can I, let me add a footnote for the listener who, if you are out there, you're going, wait a second, these are three professional comedians. I call bullshit on the fact that they're always talking about how they're introverted, they have trouble making friends. No, no, no. Comedy is why. Like, oh yeah, because when you see me on stage, you were seeing a carefully crafted, you're seeing, to some extent, you're perceiving me the way I want you to. Uh, mm. Like, I can make seeing friends. seeing my character. Yeah, I can make friends in an improv scene because I can be anything I want. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it's uh, 
I think there's this but, idea that, that because we spend our lives interacting with people for money, that we must feel natural at it. And uh, I don't know. I'm pretty outgoing, and I still don't really know how to make friends. I need. I want to go hmm. back for a second to what you were saying earlier about the kid that you will battle oh, with yeah. the most is the kid that's like you the most. Because for me, Ari, you know this. That's not true. The kid I get along with the easiest is the kid that I see myself in the most. And and that's why we get along because I'm like, oh, you are endearing. You, well, like- <laughs> it also might be that, that the qualities of you that are reflected in him are all endearing qualities. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm also like loud and a basket case and all the same. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> So like Odie and I get along really well, our four-year-old, because he he likes to be quiet. He likes to <laughs> clean things and organize things. Oh, yeah. How ever do you get along with a child who is gentle and likes to clean? How do you pull it off? Is it genetic? <laughs> <laughs> Not that like, anything so away I... from you, Becky, but he is empirically the easiest child. <laughs> yes, that is true. But I, I don't know. I see myself the most in him, or maybe I'm just blind to no, no, it's, my it's own faults. I no, think no, it's you, the blindness. Right. <laughs> you think it's a blindness? <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's like it's almost blindness. like you, you look outside and you go, oh, "All I want to do is be gentle and clean." But then you turn around, <laughs> and your child is doing that, and you're like, "Oh, you are a godsend." <laughs> <laughs> You've heard me talk about Pros, the world's most personalized hair care. I truly believe you cannot have a bad hair day with Pros products. My hair tends to naturally be kind of limp, but the products I got from Pros gave my hair a lot of body and shine because they have an algorithm of over 50 billion formula combinations. So Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact hair concerns. And Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started. There are so many ways that you can customize your hair regimen with Pros. I talk about it all the time. I'm a weirdo when it comes to scent. So I told Pros, I don't want any smells. And they delivered. And not only that, their stuff made my hair look great. Plus, Pros has a review and refine feature, which lets you tweak formulas for any reason, like you've maybe moved to a different part of the country, or you've started dyeing your hair, or you became vegetarian that's going to change your hair and how pros recommends you care for it the most memorable gift is a personalized one and with pros you can give someone truly customized hair care and if that someone is you you can also treat yourself this holiday season so give the gift of happy hair with pros for the holidays to send a personalized gift set just enter your recipient's email address and then pros will send a digital gift card and link to an in-depth hair quiz and then pros will bottle their unique formulas and ship the gift set right to their door. Take gifting to the next level with Pros Custom Hair Care. Get 15% off your order by going to pros.com slash WMD. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash WMD for 15% off your order. Pros.com slash WMD. Pros.com slash WMD. Do you experience stress or have anxiety or chronic pain or have trouble sleeping at least once a week? You are not alone because we all are also living in 2020. 
Personally, I have been having so much trouble unwinding and going to sleep at night. I have been searching for anything that could help, and then I discovered Feels. So Feels is a premium CBD delivered directly to your doorstep. Feels naturally helps reduce stress, anxiety, pain, and sleeplessness. It comes in this little vial. You place a few drops of Feels under your tongue, and then you feel the difference within minutes. There's no high. There's no hangover or addiction. It just works naturally to help you feel better. And if you're new to CBD and you're not sure how much to take, Feels offers a free CBD hotline to help you guide your personal experience. So join the Feels community to get Feels delivered to your door every month. You'll save money on every order and you can pause or cancel anytime. Become a member today by going to feels.com WMD and you will get 50% off your first order with free shipping. That's feels, F-E-A-L-S dot com slash W-M-D to become a member and get 50% automatically taken off your first order with free shipping. Feels.com slash W-M-D. Let me tell you what's been breaking me, uh, and I'm sure, Ari, you can uh, – I'm sure you'll have thoughts about this as well. So so because our kids are so under-socialized and, like, under – you know, they're not getting out and running around as much as they should be, um, they have been doing – and because they're, you know, brothers, they've been doing a lot of wrestling in the house, and – and I'm I'm into it. I think that's great. They're it's they're they're practicing sort of, you know, they're sparring. They're practicing hand to hand combat. Maybe that's something that will be useful one day. I don't know. Well, they're lion um, cubs. It feels like it's what they should be doing. When I pictured having boys, I would imagine a pile of them wrestling on the couch. Exactly. Exactly. I've, so, and you know, and they want to, they, they need to feel another human being. They need to express those emotions. They need to get rough. Like I get it. Um, but, um, so, but every f- time they start, um, we, it's, it's, it always ends in tears every single time it right. never they never stop wrestling and they're are like great that was a fun fun yes, good game. time good game. wrestling yeah good game mm, everyone right high five um but instead it always ends with someone fighting or you know everyone fighting and crying and coming in and bothering me and um and I oftentimes I try very hard to adhere to the sort of like you guys sort it out on your own. Um, I you know unless someone is injured, I don't want to really be a part of this. Huh. Like you, you figure it out. Like I, you don't need me to referee your shit here. Um, you guys figure it out. Um, that's part of learning and being a human. Um, so, but they, you know, but they will cry and stuff. So the other day they were, um, they were, uh, well, here's the other thing. It's like when, when you're dealing with the after effects of the wrestling and someone is crying, then you have to like get in there and it's like, well, he did that. Well, he did this first. And then he, <laughs> usually what happens is they're just like having fun. Someone gets a little too rough. Usually the younger one, then the older one gets rough in response and then of course it's 
an outsized, you know, reaction because they are so much bigger and stronger. And mm-hmm. then the little one gets hurt. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. And, um, and, and Rex especially is always, I guess what I'll call it presidential about it, which is he'll be like, well, you expect me not to retaliate? I got attacked. <laughs> right. But, but I find myself saying like, hey, man, uh, this four-year-old sucker punch you. Walk me through your worst case scenario. Like, you're going to yeah. be fine. Hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so the so the other day, um, yeah, yeah. So any when you get in there and you have to like referee, it's just like, oh Jesus, like I, this is the worst. I don't want to be a part of this at all. Like all of you just go to your rooms. I can't. Um, right. So the other day, Ari, you where were you? You like did you go for a walk or something, or you went somewhere Probably and you came not. back? Oh, uh, where? When was it? What time of day? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't it was, was anyway. So the kids were wrestling. I was in the dining room doing something, maybe getting do, doing some work. <laughs> That's hilarious. Probably not. <laughs> um, <laughs> trying, but I was trying to ignore them, and uh, and they were of course wrestling, and then of course it got out of hand, and of course people were screaming and crying at each other. Um, and Ari, you said that you could hear. You you came in. You were like, "Where's Mama? Is she oh, upstairs?" That's right. That was oh last night. And they yeah. were like, no, she's here. And I was like, yeah, I'm right here. And you were like, I could hear them screaming from the street, um, <laughs> which is like, you know, Kel surprise. Like, I'm not at all like, I'm sure people hear our kids screaming well, yeah. from the street all the time. Yeah. But, but it's yeah, surprising I thought when it happens. I always picture this like old 1920s cop walking by, hearing the screaming and being like, oh, you better investigate this. That is a surprisingly good Irish accent. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not expecting that right there. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ari does a really good Irish cop. Uh, anytime you need, man. Look, from Baron, you and I started started out in the early two thousands and stuff like that, right? Like being able to do accents that used to be a valuable comedy skill. It's very unfashionable now. So thank you for the appreciation. Appreciation. Well, <laughs> be able to do accents well. Uh, yeah, people, people will do them now. We just be like, why do they sound like they're from every country in this one sentence? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so that's what's been breaking me. Um, mm, and I mm. felt bad, Ari, that you felt bad and embarrassed and you that a I didn't bit of care. A, um, a, a mania, you could say, about them wrestling? A, like a WrestleMania. Well, Is he, that what you're feeling? <laughs> well, yeah, in, the, in the case that it'll be fine, then all of a sudden it'll be like, you're, you're doing off the top rope with a chair. And like, <laughs> it, it never before in the history yeah. of wrestling. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I feel like I feel like the right way to do it on paper, the right way to do it is you let them work it out, right? Because otherwise, yeah. what you're teaching them, you're you're kneecapping their problem solving, right? Right. Uh, because you teach them that someone's. I love that be you said kneecapping. <laughs> I mean, that's not the word I was looking for, but I stand by it. Um, but the thing is, if we had triplets, that would make a ton of sense. But it is so right. unmatched that I feel like if I don't intervene, all I'm going to teach them is those skills of like coping with a bully. And like, that's not hopefully skills they'll need as much. But also the youngest mm. one does need to learn not to poke the bear. Oh, absolutely. And he does need to learn like, don't fuck with someone who's much bigger than you. It, yeah. um, but is he it, trying it, to fuck with them or is he just trying to play with them? No, he's trying, he's trying to fuck with them because he also knows – that I, for some goddamn reason, I have I cannot yet figure out when the four-year-old's fake crying. It's very obvious to Betsy. Oh, I can tell. It's really annoying. Mm, it's a new I thing he's doing, and it's can't. the worst. And so it'll happen all the time that, like, the four-year-old will be wailing, 
Uh, and I'll come in and Rex will be like, what? I didn't do anything. And it's like, that's probably true, but also like, fuck. Yeah. Mm. I mean, usually he's he he starts fake crying because it does come from he is upset, but he's not so upset that he's actually really crying. It's like a theatrical cry. Right. So mm. that someone will come and like. Um, yeah. He's calling oh. in the reinforcement is what he's doing. Yeah. My yeah, oldest he's calling does that too. Which yeah. one? My oldest. <laughs> Savvy on it's like, Yes, yes. No, I, we literally watched the movie Tap once we came up with the name. I was like, now we got to watch this movie with 14-year-old Savion Glover <laughs> and Gregory Hines. May he rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, if you've never seen the movie Tap, do. No. do. I have, but not in a long time. It's a great movie. My favorite, there's a scene in it. It's, first of all, it's Sammy Davis Jr.'s last film. He actually died a couple months oh. after making it. Wow. Um, I know. He couldn't wait to work with the guy who directed uh, The Last Starfighter and Mr. Wrong. <laughs> but um, that's who directed, that's who directed Tap. Uh, I was like, what the hell is this guy's career? <laughs> he was just like, all right, sci-fi, Tap, straight Ellen DeGeneres. That's, I think I've, I've got the whole trifecta. <laughs> I think I've got the whole trifecta. I don't know. I don't think it sounds like that either. But um, Tap is, I mean, first of all, Gregory Hines is mm. such a good actor. I didn't, I, you know, it's like, I, I remember him being such a great presence, mm -hmm. but his ability, the emotionality that he can display in his eyes and his face, oh, yeah. especially in a character who's like, it's kind of obscene and absurd. He's a tap dancer who just got out of jail the whole start the thing starts with him getting out of jail because he's a cat burglar and it's because he's good with his feet it's because he can dance <laughs> so it's like he went down the he he ended up becoming a uh, a person who could rob people because he could just float through their homes he could climb up buildings do all these things because he's good with his body that's why he ended up in jail his right. father was a famous tap dancer and like a legendary tap dancer and has this tap dance studio so he goes and that's to the when he goes to the studio, uh, Sammy Davis Jr.'s daughter, um, you know, runs the studio, but upstairs is where the old black men hang out playing poker. And then he goes up there to the private room and they see him dancing. And then it's like all these old black men come in there. He challenges them to a dance off. Nice. It is one of my favorite scenes in all of film history because you've got Sammy Davis Jr. You've got one of the Nicholas brothers, the one that was alive. What? You've Who got are the Nicholas brothers. Oh, God damn it. That's ah! okay. You're going to have to edit this out of the podcast. Okay. Um, the Nicholas brothers were a legendary um, tap dancing duo back huh. in old Hollywood. Um, I'll huh. send you some clips because when you yes, see them, please. you'll be like, Wait, there weren't wires then. Um, <laughs> yeah. But these are like the people who, you know, they were giant stars. They also there's this guy named Jimmy. Oh, I was wondering if I can never remember his last name. His name is they called him Slide. Jimmy Slide. And he uh oh, actually his name is just Jimmy Slide. And I'm like, uh, I feel like, oh, he's from he died in Hanson, Massachusetts, 2008. Look at that. <laughs> Jimmy Slide is the guy who what he did became breakdancing what he did Whoa. became the moonwalk what awesome. because he would he would he would use his he would use his shoes to like do all of these crazy moves where he would whip his body around and just kind of you know and so it's kind of like that kind of got turned into 
what they call gliding in the in the oh. breakdancing world, like the, you know, like the moonwalk and all that different stuff. Yes. So it's kind of like that's who comes in there to dance with Gregory Hines. <laughs> I've got really sidetracked on this tangent. Have you seen White Knights? That's my favorite Gregory White Hines. Knight. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Barishnikov? Yes. So good. I can't believe you asked me if I saw it. Like, why would you say <laughs> that to me? You. Say you. Right. Say me. <laughs> okay. Say it together. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just trying to get every song lyric in there as I possibly can. Uh, why did I get on a? Why did I go into tap? Because we were talking. About, I just mentioned, yeah. I just said save on the dancer, and you're like, oh, here's what. Yeah, but we were talking about wrestling. Because Savion <laughs> has a fake cry. Yes. He's got a very theatrical cry. Well, this and that's kind of what I meant. It is acting. It is a fake it till you make it. He, it's almost like he cries, fake, but then summons up a real one. Yes. Because he ah. does that too dedicated to the to the idea because mm -hmm. children they're just open emotionally you know well, yeah. what I mean? fantasy have... and reality is very close and overlaps for kids yeah absolutely absolutely and i think that's it's one of the biggest things that we're supposed to do as parents is to help them separate the two things but mm -hmm. right. but at the same time not murder their imagination mm-hmm but right. kind of help them figure out how to use it, I guess, or focus it, or when it's right, or when it's not. You know, it's it's all that crap, right? Yeah. Well, we're about to yeah. find out because my 10-year-old just told me at Betsy that he, he wants to talk to us about Christmas, but not when the other two are around because he has a few. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Hey, listen here, Dad. Uh, I got some plans, and... Uh, Let's yeah. just say uh, I need everyone else to not be here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you and smoking you know, that this, cigar? This came, <laughs> this came on the heels of a very long uh, text conversation that Ajax had with Santa. Um, mm. which, uh, which is our friend Tim. Our friend Tim Dunn. Wait a minute, what? Our friend Tim Dunn pretends Hold to be Santa. the fucking phone. <laughs> and, then, and then they text him. He's got he, an avatar he, that pops up and everything. He's Are amazing. Are you telling me that you, have Im that you have got a friend? Yes. To text your child as Santa? Yes. But also, I don't think it was our idea. Isn't I don't even know like how it came up. <laughs> I don't wow. even know how it came up. It was that's, like that's called the hidden gift. That's what Tim did. He, you know, Tim just he, pulled, truly he pulled a psychological trick on you. That's like seeing an extra box under the tree that you're like, what, yeah. where did that come from? And then you He's, open it, and it's like a movie with Joel Edgerton. I think it was something <laughs> like I wanted. I maybe I said on Facebook like I needed to be able to like you know maybe maybe it came up the idea of like i'm gonna call santa and tell him you know that you're being naughty or whatever and mm -hmm. and maybe maybe weapon. that's how it oh, happened can i tell you why that oh yeah santa happened? is definitely a weapon that happened because it was it was like december 10th or something like that a couple years ago and i was like you guys have to behave because santa sees you when you're sleeping he knows when you're awake and rex goes okay but he can only see you when you're sleeping he just knows whether or not you're awake so he doesn't know what we're doing right now and I went, that's fair. And I let him keep fighting. 
Whoa. Yeah. But yeah, every now and then I'll just text Santa and be like, whatever, like, Rex is being very naughty right now. Um, or, you know, whatever. I imagine Tim has a burner phone that's with him at all times because he will write back <laughs> whenever. Immediately. No and he's warning. on the East Coast. We don't text him and say we're going to do this. It's just Ajax will, like, text Santa. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many other people Tim does this for. Maybe this is like what he does. It's honestly, it's amazing. Every time it happens, I'm like, thank you, Tim, for not charging us money for this because it's amazing. That's amazing. Jesus Lord. That's, I mean, first of all, I, that's a million dollar idea. I don't understand why there's not the Santa app where you can install it on your, like you can figure out a way to get your child to text Santa. That's so um, first of all, it, it also sounds like the most amazing ma- manipulative pyramid scheme ever. Uh, I just feel like it's, you know, one minute is Santa, you the next get, minute is Slender Man. You get 10 Santas, and then each one of those Santas gets a Santa. No, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Well, you know how it is a pyramid scheme, though? Is that that's what Rex is talking about. Because what he is essentially saying is, I need you to confirm that the gifts come from you guys, but then I'll be on board with the lie. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So it is pyramid schemey in that in that way. He he wants to sit at the adults table, and what he a, likes the idea of knowing yeah, things. That his, that's okay though. He's ten. I think it's time. Oh, I think it's it's high time. I'm absolutely fine with it. If it didn't happen now, we would have to, I think, do something because you can't you can't go to fifth sixth grade and you know <laughs> talking right. about but talking about how you've been right, texting so like with Santa. Day, when I referred to Santa as a character and you looked at me and did like the, the slit throat, like, no, 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 no. But I couldn't tell what you were talking about. <laughs> but I have been meticulous, though. I talk about Santa in the same way that I talk about God, which is uh, it's it's uh, American mythology. It's what you believe. That's the important thing. It's not about hmm. whether blah, 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 you know. Uh, but yeah, I've I've the parallels I've drawn between Jesus and Santa are uh, shockingly close. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've, I've in... Santa believes completely in the tooth fairy, and is like a, a Christopher Hitchens level uh, religion skeptic. It is the absolute weirdest thing. <laughs> he mm. is. He is. It's really cute though. I love that Christopher Hitchens level. <laughs> <laughs> Lord. This is tricky, tricky sitches. What you have to ask me though, Betsy. When yeah. I was growing up, um, we I never had um I was always told the truth about that particular person. Mm-hmm. Uh, um and I'm being very careful because I don't know where our children are right now. Um and Ari, you were as well, right? You never thought that that was a thing. My parents treated me agnostic about everything. So they'd tell me the truth if I asked them, but their first response would always be like, well, what do you believe? And so how did you grow up, Baron? Did you, were you ever made to believe that this was real or were you always told the truth? Yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time remembering, honestly. I feel like, I mean, when I was really, really young, I... You know, I moved to Vegas when I was probably like seven or eight, something like that, mm-hmm. right? Career move. And and before that, yeah, by myself, <laughs> I just packed it up and I was like, you know what? It's time to see what's out there. <laughs> um, and everyone was like, yo, six. And I'm like, I've got two phone books on each foot, guys. I'm opening for Robert Goulet. Two phone books. That's right. I'm opening for Goulet in Poughkeepsie. Bye. <laughs> and I just left them like, two dreams. The impossible dream <laughs> to find. 
what is that thing called? I want to say sabbatical, but it's not a sabbatical. What's it called? Like when they're they're like, oh, a residency? Is that what it is? A, a yeah. residency. Yeah. So Baron had a residency at, um, you know. I did. The- I had a residency in Poughkeepsie to do Man of La Mancha with <laughs> Robert Goulet. I was playing La Mancha. He was playing the man. And um, two person play. A lot of people don't know this. No. Uh I was distracted because I was IMD being Nick Castle, uh, the director of TAP. Oh, my but, goodness. Um, who also directed, yes, The Last Starfighter and Mr. Wrong, but Last also The Boy Who Could Fly. Yes, The Boy Who Could Fly. That was on HBO and Heavy Rotation when I was a kid. I've seen that movie a bunch of times. Dennis the Menace, that live action one they did with Walter Matthau. Mm. Right. That's the one where they had to cast all super tall actors because Macaulay Culkin had go through that growth spurt, right? Was Macaulay Culkin Dennis the Menace? Wasn't he? No, no. It was some what other blonde kid. Of? Named Mason Gamble. <laughs> oh, Mason Gamble. I'm looking at it. Yeah, Walter Matthau, Joan Plow, right? Christopher Lloyd, Leah Thompson. Oh, what a Richie what a... Rich. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, Richie Rich. Yeah, that's oh. very different. That's very different. Uh, and then he also directed Major Payne. Okay, so um, what I was think, what I was taught, because I was in a, like a really small church community in New Mexico. I was mm. born in New Mexico, so it's like. I mean, I was going to church like, you know, four times a week. It was literally like the backyard sort of a thing. Like it was really much like that Southern Baptist community kind of a thing. Was it Southern so, Baptist or what was yes, it? Southern okay. Baptist. So there was a there was a sense of Santa because, you know, I, I, I always wonder if we would have been taught about Santa if Santa wasn't everywhere, you know, um, mm-hmm. Without our consent, because you walk into any store, you turn on the TV, you know, you just go to McDonald's and Santa, 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 Santa. So, of course, you see this image. <laughs> I just pictured a, a McDonald's just filled with Santas, like a, a Santa a, con. A, okay. uh, yes. Well, they got to eat, too. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, they usually take the burgers and put them right into the fuel tank. Uh, and by that, I mean feed it to the reindeer. So, like, the thing is. <laughs> they, the the reindeer tank. have meat. <laughs> Elf was on the other day too, and uh, I really wanted to watch this movie called the Santa Santa Claus the movie, mm-hmm. the Santa Claus movie. The I can't Santa Claus? No, no, no. This oh. is from the seventies or eighties. It was wow. the guy who produced Superman, like Richard Donner's Superman I movies. Think I have seen this. Uh, it's like Dudley Moore and John Lithgow. Yeah, I've seen what? this. It's out there. It's out there. I forget who, who 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 made it exactly, but point is, mm. I I couldn't. You can't avoid Santa, you know, as a child, mm-hmm. and especially, you know, there is that thing about Christmas where just because of the whole world stops, you know, or at least where you in the United States, like everybody starts to settle down, people start to get time off, so it's like. It is in the air that this time of year is just different. Everyone's around more. Everyone's in a better mood. You know, if you're in a place mm-hmm. where there's winter, there's sweaters and, you know, and hot chocolate or whatever. It's beginning so, to look a lot like Christmas. Everywhere, everywhere you go. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. He's here. <laughs> um, but it's... I kind of always thought Santa was suspicious, just like I thought God was. Mm-hmm. But, like, even in this... <sighs> It's like a hard thing because it's like, I think the idea of Santa can be valuable, but when it, when it gets to that place where it becomes very transactional, almost capitalistic, yes, it, that's where it starts to make me feel a little itchy twitchy. Yeah. Um, I get that. And I grew up pretty poor as well. And 
Santa is a is a is a cruel thing sometimes to mm. tell a poor kid, you know, um, about when because then, I, you know, what what else am I going to, you know, assume except that I was bad, you know, yeah. or I was only good enough for one sock. Um, <laughs> it's because my birthday is exactly. Baron, they're stockings. Uh, we all get one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we all get one. <laughs> my my birthday is exactly a week before Christmas. So I would get one sock on my birthday. The next one on Christmas. Day. <laughs> um <laughs> Not true, not true. And then on New Year's Day, they'd let me outside. <laughs> and then they'd let me out the cage. <laughs> well, our youngest our youngest kid has a – his birthday is on the December 21st. Oh, that's so, my mom's birthday. So I, uh, I am all ears if you have any um, advice for uh, how to navigate that better than maybe uh, – I mean, me and my, my wife and I are talking about this a lot too. I mean, both of us have tricky histories with our families of origin. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these – family holidays and family events i i unfortunately tend to have very dark ideas and feelings about mm-hmm. my wife doesn't but that's also another thing about being a parent is that we now get to invent how we're going to do things yes and and remember what the value of something like a christmas is you know the the point of it being that it's about family it's about mm-hmm. remembering what you have it's about being together and being grateful and stuff like that, you know. So, yeah, we're, we're talking about like how we're going to give presents out this year as well because, you know, everyone's in a different place. We're not going to be seeing anyone. But it's also like we don't want to spend all of the money ever. Yeah. So it's like we're, we're, kind, of, we're kind of going with the um, make something, like a family gift. Love thing. it. We're going to like send families gifts. You know, like not just, oh, not just everybody in the family, but like here's a gift for your whole unit, you know, and it's something that would be either useful or pretty, you know. That's lovely. So it's either like, you know, like a, I I would say, I would say like a, like a rose and a vase, but that can be annoying uh, to people. It's like, (laughs) oh, that's, oh, thanks for, thank you for my homework. God. That's that's brilliant. Water this. yeah, I mean, and that's what we're we're trying to think about. Like, it's like, well, if the point of this is to, if the point of this holiday, you know, besides all of the, you know, economic buying of things, if the point of this holiday is to show those you love that you love them and appreciate them, then how can we do that on the cheap? You know what yep. I mean? And still, <laughs> and still make it something. So that's what we're still, and, we're and still you, thinking you about. You need to front load this as much as possible because the moment they get into school – and mm-hmm. consumerism is di- uh, injected directly into their lower spine. Uh, mm-hmm. And everyone's talking about, what do I get? What do I get? What do I get? It's going to be even harder to uh, I pull that stuff that, back. Man. I so, hated that yeah. stuff. Yeah. No, you're absolutely correct. But, and, and that's, that's, and that brings me to the things that we learn in school that aren't taught to us. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff that, like the real education of school, what happens in the hallways. You know what I mean? The stuff that where the kids are equals. Mm-hmm. And we're not yeah. thinking about how we look to ch- uh, teachers or our parents because there's no one else there but us. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think a lot of people learn um, how to be. You yeah. know? And um, so, again, it's all of this, you know, it's it's a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just so many things in the air. It's like a Jenga puzzle on top of thin ice. There's lots of cogs and wheels. That's right. And so, you know, moving pieces and just thinking about like, we're, t- we're taking it step by step. They're mm-hmm. not, you know, it's also like we had these little, we had a really good 
like routine before the pandemic started <laughs> and um, with some other families that had kids that were the same age uh, and yeah. his best, best friends um, are Australian. So they went back, you know, when all this <sighs> stuff happened because Australia is not uh, doing badly, you know, yeah. it's doing really well. And they both <laughs> are actors and they could get work. They actually yeah. did a commercial the moment they got back to Australia. Jeez. It's like, everything's open, bitch. You know, it's like, nice. here we do. But it's like, that's like his little friend. His little friend is now, he can only see her on a little screen. And then the other kids, they're moving to Georgia. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so we, we when it is time for all of this socialization, you know, um, this is going to sound really cheesy and incredibly naive. But I hope that by the time they're in that situation, where, the, where kids are like in their face about like, what you get, what you get, man, it's a status game, it's a status game, show your hand, show your hand. Um, that they'll be like, <laughs> I don't play that. And then smoke pellet, and then they're gone. That's what I'm yeah. going to make sure. I, I think you can. Because here's I the think thing. you My can. Parents, something I used to fight with them. I used to fight with them about this all the time, which is, you know, the like getting the, the sneakers everyone has, right? Like mm, everyone had Reeboks. Yes. I want a Reeboks, right? And my parents, though, you know, I grew up pretty comfortable and we could afford it. They were like, fuck no. We're, you're not getting wrapped up in this. And I never understood why all my friends could have the fucking Jordans or whatever. And I had to have this off-brand thing, right? But guess what? It They really took one for the team because they fought with me. They could have just given me that thing. But I, I am not as wrapped up in that as I might have mm-hmm. otherwise been, right? They, they they sort of tied me to the mast and they forced me to sail through the sea of consumerism. It's not like I'm unaffected by it. But mm-hmm. but it's they worked their asses off at it and I, and I I hated it at the time but I do think it really rebounded to my benefit. Absolutely, and that's the thing. It's like you know, looking back, I can't. I I have so much empathy for my parents, and in just how can you not? How can you mm-hmm. not look back and because I look back and I go like, my mom was younger than I am right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like ten. Yeah. I didn't know shit ten years ago. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. shit. How could I have raised a child? So it's kind of like thinking about what my mom, my grandma, you know, or whatever had to go through to raise me and how how much they brought to the game, you know, the best that they could. It's kind of like, wow, like I I have a um I guess a different level of appreciation mm-hmm. for everything that did happen. You know, but that said, it's like hard in this moment with my kids you know, to, to trust that one day that they'll feel that. I mean, that's the thing is you like, I remember I was doing back when I was doing stand up about like having a kid, you know, I was like, I just had a kid and people would applaud and be like, you know what? Applaud when he's 18. That's how, <laughs> yeah. that's how I'll know how I did. And if he's someone <laughs> who can be applauded at that age, I'll take it, uh, you know? So, uh, you know, cause that's, that's to me is like, it's hard because it's like, I guess you do have to think about like now and you have to think about next week and you have to think about three months and next year and five years and 10 years. And just this constant thinking about how to direct your children towards wellness and feeling good. And yeah. same for you and for your partner and for your other family members, you know, that you're their child or sibling, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like that, that shit is, it's hard. <laughs> especially because i was an only child you know so it's right. like my wife read something about like three kids is they say that it's oh it's twice as hard and she read something that says no no it's three times as hard because you have to parent one child you have to parent child two and then you have to parent their relationship 
So you guys mm. have three children. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you're parenting three children. You're also parenting three, three different, different duo dynamics. Yes, you're right. You know, and then the triangular dynamic. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, I don't know if this is true and I will never find out, but I heard that after three up to a point, it's kind of the same. Like I've heard that four and five, it's like, well, once you have nothing left emotionally, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but I don't know if that's true. Uh, uh, you once know, you're l- a shell. Listeners write in and tell us how easy you had it at three. And tell, well, tell us how, to... how easy I've got it and how I should stop complaining, please. <laughs> we definitely have listeners that have more than three kids. I know we have a few that have like a ton of kids. And yeah. mm-hmm. I, I don't know when we ever when we've had like kids come over um, to like babysit. Um, we're babysitting them. I mean um, that uh, I've I found it actually was there was no difference for the most part. If anything, it might have been easier because there was another than and everyone had a buddy. Yeah, that's and that's what the point of daycare is. That's what the point of (laughs) playing is, is that like children want to be with each other. How about that? They want to be around (sighs) each other and they learn. They learn a lot. That's the biggest thing. Playing is learning. I was was over my best friend's house for like five hours a day. Yeah. You know, I spent more time with Jamie and Kyle and Danny, you know, and Sam than I did with uh, anyone but my parents. And our poor kids are marooned mm. here with these two psychos. <laughs> Meaning me and dad, <laughs> not me and their brother. Well, it's an unprecedented <laughs> situation. Um, Baron. Yes. Would you please tell us what what broke you? What did what happened? That oh, you, you were know. tell us about screen time. Screen yeah. time is a big thing. Screen time is a big thing. And this this kind of it ties into a lot of different things that we've already talked about because like even that thing about like oh, you know, the kid that reminds you the most of yourself is the one that you'll have the hardest time with. But anytime that they do anything that it's almost like I have, like, I just have a memory of my parents telling me to not do or to stay away from something. Don't remember exactly why, mm-hmm. but it's just there. So this idea that, you know, they they were always so concerned about how much TV I was watching. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. You know, today I'm, I'm a professional working in TV, uh, but like, you know, as a kid, you don't know that. Like, I remember somebody was telling me about like, hey, stop, you know, when they were a kid, like some of their parents being like, stop playing those video games. It's a waste of your time. And now they literally have millions of dollars because they write and make video games. Cool. Please and don't it's tell kind of like, my kids. Okay. <laughs> Yo, but here's the thing. We had the switch. Someone gave us a switch for, I want to say like for a present. I feel mm-hmm. like it was a professional present. It sat in a box because I don't really play the switch. I have a PS4 and I was like, dope. Um, but <laughs> I, we moved and I haven't opened it for a year, but my wife was like, can you just open that damn thing? And, Cause she wanted to play animal crossing. And now my son is obsessed Uh-oh. with super Mario. He was obsessed with street fighter, which I'm happy he's not because now he stopped trying to drop kick his brother in the head. <laughs> but now it does really make him want to jump off of everything like Mario. And so him playing that game, him watching YouTube videos of other kids playing the oh, game. It's the worst oh, dude. It gets really because the YouTube videos, you know, like sometimes they turn into like because he doesn't have an account, you know, we were not signed into the YouTube yeah. mm-hmm. on where, how we where he watches it. So it doesn't like remember things, I guess. But like <laughs> it still leads him down a path towards products. 
right. eventually. Mm-hmm. Like it's like people are playing walkthroughs, and then it's going to be kids opening up boxes that yes. have. I feel our Super primary Mario job figurines. as parents is to make our kids not watch unboxing videos. I think that's like <laughs> every time the they come on. Imp- that's why I put on this earth <laughs> is so my kids don't know who Ryan is. <laughs> I don't know who that is, so I'm happy. You're oh doing great. Don't look it Wait, up. Baron, is your kid on U- YouTube Kids? No, he's not. Oh. However, my wife, because she thinks my kid's adorable. Um, oh, wait, it's hers too. <laughs> she. So you've told her. Yes, she. Oh, God. <laughs> she. Um, hey, be careful. I was going to say we just watched a show, but then I would have. If I would have told you what the show is, I would have would have been a spoiler in and oh, of itself. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, it's like, hey, but she thinks that he's gotten so adorable because you know she made the point that like these people on the, like those are the only kids he's seeing or these yeah. kids playing these. So he's watching these kids that um, they're called like the hobby family. Then there's one that's called like the tube family. Oh, the hobby family. That yeah, sounds hobby really kids, familiar. Hobby family gaming. Um, oh yeah, our kids used to watch those. Oh, he is upset. He loves them. And then there's these two HA games, and it's like two Korean kids. Um, and my son does not speak Korean. Um, oh, my and then son there's thinks a he does. Kid. Yeah, my. <laughs> there you go. No, my son. My son thinks he does too. And like the, it's funny because my whenever he speaks gibberish Korean, um, I want to be like, don't be racist. Yeah, the same thing. He doesn't know what that is. Like, you live in Koreatown, like other people may misinterpret, but he, that's not what he's doing. He's he doesn't know what voice. he's doing. Yeah. He, will talk to, he will talk to his friends who do speak Korean. Yeah, and he has will a lot of Korean friends. That's the one thing like, I'm concerned about. Oh, well, maybe, he'll, maybe if these kids know Korean, maybe they'll teach him. But like, he doesn't. So point is, is that because of the pandemic and because of how busy and stressful we've all been, you know, we, my wife and I are also, we love watching TV and movies. Mm-hmm. We've both felt self-conscious about how much screen time the kids should have, mm-hmm. but, but we have just kind of let it, let it play. Yep. And then the first thing that happens is surprise, surprise. He actually does get tired. He actually wants to turn it off and go outside sometimes. What? Yes. He oh, actually you, goes, oh, I want to go outside. You got a good one. Yeah, oh, you, you got, got a good wired really well. One of ours you is like have that. that one. Okay. Wait a minute, I don't know what the hell you guys are talking about. Our kids, <laughs> it is. It you is can make them smoke him. the whole pack, and they will still want to smoke. Yes, I have. Well, I have well, one kid that if you were given unlimited screen time, he'll play till he gets tired, and then he'll go outside. And then the other two, you give them unlimited screen time, and they will still be mad when you tell them to stop because it's nine p.m. Correct. He does do that. That does happen. Because yeah. that's where it comes into the acting crying because he has cried himself to sleep when I've tried to get him to eat food at six because he's been playing the game all day. Right. And then I yank it from his hand saying, you need to eat. Then he cries, <laughs> tries to eat, uh, falls asleep crying with food in his mouth. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. And I'm like, Why well, you, you know. He, he, the, the idea that he can get sick of that on his own is possibly special i mean i i would i hope your other kid has that too um or, the other kid is not into games yet. you're unlucky but i think it's unusual yeah i well, think that's thing. special we do we do there are the days where he will be on it and we have to fight with him so hard to get him you know out of the off the damn game mm-hmm. off the tv um but when we do you know he will protest but then he realizes he wants to hang out he wants to 
run and jump and do all the stuff. Now, here's the other thing about screen time. Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter 5, which is the latest one. Oh, wow. The Street Fighter series, maybe even the Mario series, maybe even the Sonic series, maybe even Fortnite. These will be in the Olympics. Do not mistake me. Baron's not kidding. They're trying. There's a big movement to put. It's not a, not even a joke, Betsy. No. I'm telling you, you, you don't even know what Eve. Do you know what Evo is? Extra Betsy, virgin, extra olive, virgin oil. olive oil. <laughs> now I'm hungry, but it's also <laughs> there is a huge. Well, there was a huge video game. Um, contest competition international competition that would happen in vegas every year street fighter tekken mortal kombat these are world renowned world-class fighting game fighters who make thousands of dollars a month just from what? that and so yeah, there's a part of me that's like hmm I know. these hobby kids are making a shitload of money that's what my wife could be like a million these kids are yeah. making like how much money? And she's like, Sabian, do you want a channel? <laughs> That's what she's got. Like, we need to diversify our and funds. Look, there's, you know what I'm there's a bit too where it's like, and I bet all three of us were like this, right? Where we all had a parent or a relative be like, yep, yeah, yep. comedy is not, I mean, okay, that's great. But like, what do you oh, really yeah. want to do? And yeah, like, well, you should have a backup. I, yeah, like I, I guess to a certain extent, fuck you because I'm doing it. And all that time staying up late watching comedy. But it's also like, yeah, but it, first of all, I think I think being like an Olympic level gamer is probably harder than what we're doing oh, because absolutely. there's more competition. Yeah, but it will be just yeah, like anything, like, like basketball or you know football, where you have your yeah. you have your high, local teams and your high school teams and your state and all that stuff. So it's kind of like, hmm, it's an option, but do I want him? But he will hate video games at the end. That's the other thing. Right. If I if I'm like, get that gold medal, son. Hadouken right, right, right. to that gold medal, son. <laughs> if I do that, then he'll hate it. But I'm also kind of like, hmm, it it's also like his problem solving skills have gotten kind of incredible. Like I'm just kind of like, I'm not even joking. Like he's playing this game, figuring it out, and I'm like, and then he's doing things there was that a I can't with do. wings in my kitchen. I didn't know what to do about it. And he knew he had a flower, he shot it with a fireball. Like he could fucking learn. Yeah, yeah, he shot it with a he did. He shot it with the ice flower. Yeah. Then he was a cube of ice. He stood on top of the cube, got the cookies, <laughs> then took the cube and smashed it. And I was like, wow, that is how you kill two birds with one stone. And by bird, I mean a flying turtle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Koopa paratrooper in the parlance. A Koopa uh, paratrooper. But it, it's, it's hard, too, because it's like – and I have tried – and again, I think this is being maybe me being a little too helicoptery. But I try to – because there are some games that they play where I'm – exactly what you're saying. I was like, well, they are learning problem solving. But then right. there are also some games that they play where they're like, they are learning to beat this game. And that yeah. is the only skill. Like I remember once I was staying at uh, – when I was visiting L.A. before I lived here. And I was staying at a buddy of mine's house and he wasn't home all day. So I was just like at his house and he had a guitar here. I spent like six hours playing Guitar Hero. This is when everyone was like super into it. At the end mm -hmm. of those six hours, I was like – Oh, I get it. If I keep playing this, I will learn to play a guitar in a computer game, and that is it. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, like, mm. if if guitar, if I was like, oh, if I play Guitar Hero, any of that would translate into actual musical acumen, but I don't think it does any more than I could play FIFA soccer all day and still not be able to shoot a soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we do have a little soccer thing out here because that's the other thing is that like I'm like, okay, if I can get them to like actually kick a soccer ball or hit this ball with this bat. 
then they'll feel what that is as opposed to if we play a game. Because I yeah. feel like there's a lot of kids that have played the game of sports but never mm-hmm. the actual sport, and that is weird to me. Yeah. Yeah, and in our house, we we usually sort of differentiate screens between, like, non-educational and educational. And sometimes there's a weird blurry there's a blurry bit in the middle mm-hmm. where it's like a monument valley where it's like it's a game but it is like puzzle solving and it is actually probably you know enlightening you and making you smarter in some ways i've, an, I've um, named it what did you say, Ari? i've named it i call it uh, f- uh free creative screen time with hmm. and okay that's so that's like play color and and stuff right exactly so that's it's like um if they're playing like an online scrabble game against each other right where it's like i'm like guys just play scrabble we own scrabbles right here but they don't want to yeah. do that but they are learning you know but there's also something to be said for like the um uh what uh, neural tap, pathways that are like created yes. when you're actually touching those pieces and doing yes. that yeah tactile yes. tactile it's stuff. hard to know but and I think all that tactile neural pathway stuff is true, but there's also a part of it that does sound like old person bullshit, right? Yes. Where it's like, well, that's oh, the thing, you know, listening to that's music the thing on that a I can't help. Yeah. I can't help but hear, you know, childhood Baron being admonished. And so my instinct is to do that to my kids. But then I'm like, well, am I, am I, is it, do I actually feel like what they're doing is bad or wrong? Or am I just impersonating a parent who thinks that? Right. Part of it's the dance. Part of it is that your job is to try, it's like when they have a sleepover. It's like, your job is to stop them from fucking around. Their job is to fuck around. You know, like, <laughs> as a parent, my, it's like, well, the funny thing is like, when they all go to bed, because they'll sleep in one room, uh, and they're all different ages, but they'll sleep in one room, they all have bedtime at the same time. And at like 9.30, when like lights out, not lights out, but like when I go downstairs, that is when they're supposed to be in bed reading. That is, however, the time when they spend my favorite time together yelling mm-hmm. laughing having the best time like three best friends mm. running around but it's also like motherfucker this only happened when i put you in pajamas showered you and like put you in bed so like i was like but i want them to continue this but my role in the play is to stop them mm-hmm. mm. or that's like swearing it's like what? i love to swear and um and and I enjoy swearing, and I always have, but I don't necessarily want my children to, and I can't quite put mm. my finger on why. Yeah. So I feel like, Except well, as a parent, I have to well. play the role of, <laughs> no, don't use that kind of language. But really, like, I've got a filthy mouth. I don't know. Right. Well, I'm always well, like, hey, don't run around. Ma- literally, like, stop making dick jokes. But then well, hang out with what? me and Betsy when they're not around. That's all we do. An old friend who literally is older than me <laughs> no, um, I had the you know I got to work with um, Alfre Woodard many many years ago my Whoa. first job in, in New York and she at the time well her children were the same uh, uh, age of, as my little little sisters I have two little sisters that are 13 years younger than me they have a different father oh. and so her two children walked in and I was just so struck by how mature they were. I, I mean, I hate to, it, there's no other way to be like, I, I wanted to say they're so well-spoken. No, 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 don't say that. They're so grown up. No, don't say that. They're articulate. Ugh. But it's just like, <laughs> I was trying to figure out like, how do I compliment this kid, her parenting without sounding like an asshole? But like, they were just, they were just, they had a sense of themselves that I- Oh, they were self-possessed. They had there a, they, yeah, self-possessed. And- 
I had a chance once to talk to her about it. And she told me that she never, ever, ever lies to her children. That doesn't mm. mean that she tells them everything. Aha. She tells them as much as they can understand at that time. Hmm. So it's like if my six-year-old asks me something that is a hard truth, I can tell them, I can lay down the basis for what I'll tell them when they're older, mm -hmm. but it'll build off of what I told them when mm -hmm. I'm six. So it's like, she's like, oh, well, you know, that happens because of this. And, you know, when you're older, I'll tell you more. And then they're older. And then she's like, okay, well, remember when I told you that thing? Well, now that plus this. So that way she's always kind of building on things. Yeah, mm -hmm. I try to do that. Which me lets me, which leads me to sometimes over-explain stuff. Same, to remember, but also that like my ten-year-old will take everything in stride. Like he's the one he he would get up early before school and read like five thirty-eight politics on his iPad like on his own. Like you can <laughs> yeah. sort of tell him. He's uh, always been anything. that way, though. Even when yeah. he was like three, Big he would be like, you know, thing. what yeah. happens when we die? And you would you would explain it the way you would to like an adult, and he would be like, huh, okay. But <laughs> you he, know, he's also he's also super reactionary, right? So, like for example, like he can't just love the Red Sox; he has to hate the Dodgers. You know what I mean? And it's like mm. he can't just be left wing; he has to be strident. He has to be John Brown. You know what I mean? Uh, mm. and, the, and yet our eight-year-old will be shocked by things, right? So my, my hmm. eight-year-old will be like, uh, uh, um, oh, who's, by the way, really, social justice is like his thing. Uh, so your, he'll your be like, my eight-year-old, yeah. He'll be like, he's the one that, that want, we didn't do, but he insisted for all, he was like, I want a Martin Luther King-themed birthday. We're like, we don't know how to pull that off respectfully, so no. Um, <laughs> But like we that's what he wanted. We looked into it. Um But he did then, have a voting themed birthday yes, party. He did. Wow. And that was like his fifth birthday already? Fifth birthday. Yeah. That was like his and that was his idea. I never but, I would have been happy if it was like PJ Masks. He's so <laughs> he's so big hearted and open hearted that when you like, you know, Rex will ask, uh, you know, he'll ask something about like segregation and I'll explain it. Like, oh man, what's wrong with people, right? And I'll, Ajax does the same thing and I'll say the same thing and you'll just see him absorb that humanity is disappointing him. Yes. And he's like, huh, oh, that's no, hilarious. What? And so, oh, but he'll, man. Ending, like, he'll get sad about Pompeii, you know? And I'll have to be like, yeah, yes. okay, this was awful, but look, this was, you know. It was, it was a bad movie. Right. <laughs> That's mostly what we talk about, yeah. yeah. Oh my I god! One of these days, we're gonna have to tell Ajax what the Holocaust is, and then he'll never get out Aaron, of bed. One of these days, we're gonna have to tell Ajax that his Yo, died two years ago. Let me tell you this thing. Um, I also said, um, I also said Kevin Costner it was Kiefer Sutherland that was in the movie Pompeii with the weirdest accent ever. But the point is <laughs> that weirder than Kevin Costner in Robin Hood: Prince of Thieves. Friends of Thieves? Yeah, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, where he's like, I'm Oh, I thought you said Friends. I Robin got really Hood, excited. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. Friends Robin of Thieves, Prince you know. Of oh my God. I'm yes. sorry. I got us way off. Prince of Thieves. Oh, good God. I can't even remember. Point is, um, I was, uh, oh, no, totally forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> A thousand percent my fault. Something totally about fault. Kevin Costner in Pompeii or... The... Right, because we were talking about um, our kids having varying emotional reactions to traumatic things from history. Oh yes, this is a this is an interesting one because I read this book a long time ago called Mediated, and um, 
this guy who was a parent, his name is Thomas de Zen Gotita, something like that. That's a made-up name. Spanish name. His name was uh, Thomas, a uh, computer microphone. <laughs> his, name was, his name was Mainframe Jones. And you know, <laughs> no, this book is one of my, it's probably one of the most influential books I read when I was actually, it was probably back in the, back in the day in New York. Like I was probably reading it on the subway going to shark show. Who the hell knows? But like, Oh, for, it, for those listening, shark show is a, uh, is a comedy show that was what weekly that was Ari a, a, was a weekly variety comedy show that ran for like seven or eight years in the lower East side in that New I was York's, one of the hosts yeah. of. Uh, and that's, and that's not entirely, I know Baron initially through UCB, but then I feel like we spent a lot of time together doing comedy in that kind of, uh, mm-hmm. environment. We did be- because I would see, because the, because the, you know, it was the four of you, I believe we're running yeah. that show and I was seeing you guys collaborate all the time and do like solo bits, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's, so I kind of got to know each of you individually and it was also just a, you know, Mo Pitkins, may it rest in peace. Oh, <laughs> It was a, it was a, it was just a, for me, that's, I, I keep looking back at those, uh, those days. I'm, I'm having like, been having a lot of nostalgia for my, hmm. my, my early New York days, I guess. But um, I read this book around that time. And this guy who, I think he's a sociology professor or something. It was media studies, but it wasn't necessarily about the media as much as it is about how we as people are different because of the media, how it changes the way that we interact with each other think about each other and so he you know this was still at the beginning of like facebook was just starting at this time you know um myspace was still on top of the world you know friendster was was kind of going to the <laughs> way that's how them are until you there you go oh, here on myspace you can oh i'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry here on myspace oh you have to just get your eight top friends on your fucking page. What on your page? It'll crash because you got too many songs and flash things going on. You don't know HTML. Now, um, I should say this. For those listening, what Baron just Billy did. Billy Conley for MySpace. It, yes. But, but that also was, we were talking about the shark show. That was the level of preparation that me and my co-host would put into a bit. It literally would be like, because we had to do a whole new show, like an hour long show or an hour and a half every week so it would be like oh my guy's a scotsman who's going to explain this ah, fuck go <laughs> <laughs> but you would still pull it off with charm and panache i remember once pitching a, a sketch by lying about it where nick my co-host called he's like do you have a sketch written for tomorrow and i was like yeah figuring i just write it tonight and he goes what's it called i'm typing up the list and i go hey it's called rich Uncle Skeletons, you <laughs> and he goes awesome, and, uh, and and we wrote it and we refined it and like you know most of the time it was that shit would be a crap sketch but it made me do it. It was actually a really funny sketch. I remember it. Yeah, it's Uncle Zombie. The prices are insane. He'll sell you a car and eat your brains, brains. Oh my! That's what see, it was. Yeah. I'm already there. The premise was I, I had a rich uncle who went to Haiti and disappeared, and then he came back and opened a car dealership. <laughs> That's oh wow! See, you even got you even got the you even got oh, the yeah. real mythology in there. The whole th- oh yeah, I was obsessed with this stuff. But the whole thing would be like remote keyless entry, red burl interior trim, brains. <laughs> oh my god! All right, now I remember what the point is. Yeah, yes. um, the book. Yes. Yeah, 
I'm trying to figure out like how much of this book do I need to tell you about for this <laughs> for my point to make sense. This guy, okay, he opened his whole book about the fact that he was an actor. He actually studied at the actor studio in the 60s. And he was in an acting class when Kennedy was assassinated. Hmm. And that's why he starts his book with that because none of them in the acting class thought it was real. They thought it was an acting exercise. Oh, you're shitting. <gasps> they thought when the teacher saw something was happening in the hallway and left, he's like, uh, hold on. Uh, they were like doing some sort of exercise. The teacher went into the hallway and then they were just there. And then a, uh, an aide came in and said, the president has been shot. And they, because they're at acting school, were like, all right, okay, well, how do I feel? My God. How would I feel if the president was shot? Where do my I feel? Motivation my motivation is my, to. Exactly. And he, he did this thing. He's like, he's like, there's two kinds of actors, those who do, those who do tears and those who do anger. Uh, and he's, like, <laughs> and he's like, I was an anger guy. He's like, I just stared at the steel ceiling just thinking about why we're lost. And then the aide came in and said, the president has, has been killed, has died. And mm. it was like, oh God, they're crying, they're acting. Then the teacher comes in and goes, guys, this was not a joke. This was not an exercise. The president has actually been shot and is dead. And then they all were kind of like, huh? And then he was like, and then I got the fuck out of there. And he was saying that, like, the weirdness about it is we felt all of our real feelings for a fake situation. Then when we found out that the fake situation that we felt our real feelings for was actually real, then we suddenly felt fake. Ooh. We had used up. We had used it already. I had already felt my feelings for something that I thought didn't exist. So our humanity and our soul has like, it's like a dopamine level of like limited supply. Well, it's that. Yeah. Cause he kind of talks about like, he says, it's not that we're not moved. It's that we're connoisseurs of being moved. He's talking about the desensitized, being desensitized to seeing, he's like the first time you see a duck covered in oil, you know, uh, from some horrible sk- spill, you might cry, you might be very upset, and then inevitably the 127th time you see it, you won't feel the same way. But the point is that he was talking about like, we are constantly being asked to feel mm. by everything around us, and everything around us is also created for our feelings. Uh-huh. Even in the sense of we go to a forest, you're not supposed to go off the path. You're supposed to stay on the path with the plexiglass that explains what's in the forest. Mm-hmm. And if you go off the path, then you are in a place that was not planned for you. And then you are at the mercy of coincidence. Mm. And that's when you, when nothing that you have planned, you know, when you are in a place where nothing around you was planned, that's when you really feel who you are. That's what his point was, right? But that I kind of say is that's when we feel our holes, when we're not feeling distracted anymore. We feel the holes. Mm-hmm. So all of this stuff around us is is meant to distract us. And and ultimately the point that I wanted to make, because he made this incredibly controversial point about the Holocaust, in which he said, you know, he made this point that like the thing about the Holocaust is it's he thinks it's really weird and interesting and uh, it's also disturbing how much there are people that deny that it ever happened and how many people actually still believe that and think that 
mm-hmm. are unaware of what happened and don't know what happened. I think it's in, two, gener- I think in two generations, a plurality of people won't believe it happened. Yeah. Well, here was his theory. And I, I, I still think about this. And I always bring this up to people because it's really dark. <laughs> so he basically said, if you want children to really understand and know what the Holocaust was, never talk about it. Lock everything that has to do with the Holocaust up in a special museum. And then when the children get to a certain age is when you take them to the field trip and you lock them in that museum. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jesus can wander around discovering it for themselves. Now you might be like, well, that's going to scar them. And he's yeah. like, yeah, it should. It's the fucking Holocaust. He's like, it's the fucking Holocaust. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, it's scarring. Cause he, his point was, you know, the, the, the idea of that we mm. want to continue to teach people about this and have the education about this. He's saying that the, that the, all the movies and the TV shows and the documentaries becomes the 127th time you've seen the duck with oil on his wings. You know, it's like, that's what he's like. The irony is that our need, his point, not my point, is our need to to continue to remember these things mm-hmm. is the exact thing that's making us feel it less. Right. It's Hogan. right. Because we. Hogan's like, heroes is the fault. Well, that's, Hogan! And then he goes into people don't know the difference between historical facts and the films about them. Yes. Right. People don't know. People go like, I saw Pearl Harbor. Right, You know, like the, people see a movie where they went through painstaking efforts to recreate the era. And then people take that as history. Now, right. it doesn't it, – they shouldn't, but we saw it happen in well, front of us. And if that's the only thing you know, right? You've never heard about the Trojan War until you watch that Brad Pitt Troy movie. Right. <laughs> that's what you know, right? If you know nothing about the Holocaust and you watch Schindler's List, right, which is probably a better example – Right. Well, or you know nothing about Malcolm X and you watch X, right? That's probably a better example. But then your your view is still keyhole narrow. Yeah, because Denzel Washington doesn't look like Malcolm X, but that's what most people think. Right, exactly. <laughs> but critical thought has really taken a nosedive in our country, yes. in, in the States, and especially in the way that we're educating kids. And that's a huge part of why we're um you know, in the situation in the, we're in. In the pickle that we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what is the deal with this pickle? <laughs> Did you say no. what is the deal with this pickle? No. You're damn right, Ryan, Ryan, he is a in. dad. We're keeping this. Oh, my God. Baron, my 10-year-old has started to dunk on me so hard for dad jokes. So, like, um, <laughs> if I say something corny, the two he said that are the best, one is he looked around and goes, you other dad's writing this down? Uh, and then <laughs> uh, two days ago, I don't remember what I said, but he called me Dr. Dad PhD. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. A little bit more commitment. You could be Daniel Dad Lewis. Yeah! No. Um, <laughs> yes! uh, this is hey, invigorating to me. Yes. <laughs> please, uh, please tell us, uh, tell everyone uh, listening where they can find you. What what they should check out to see your work, your your vast, uh, vast. library of work. How can we have the Baron Vaughn experience? Yes. Um, we'll go to baronvaughn.com. Nice. Um, that's one way. I'm also on the Twits and the IG. And uh, I'm Barvon Black. It's B-A-R-V-O-N-B-L-A-Q at the end. Because <laughs> I was trying to be clever. Turns out, just convoluted. <laughs> and then I have my new podcast on um, Open Mike Eagle. My good friend Open Mike Eagle has an imprint on Starburns Audio called Stony Island Audio. And I have a new podcast called Self Quar, in which I talk to all kinds of different people about what it is that is helping them get through this unprecedented global crisis. Um, just to kind of, uh, you know, we, it gets dark, but it really is still about 
finding, you know, finding a way through this tunnel. And uh, just like this conversation, you know, we're, we're, we're connecting. That's what, that's what it's all about. That sounds excellent. Awesome. Um, Baron, mm-hmm. you are, you are doing a really great job at this whole parenting thing. Your kids oh. sound amazing. Hey, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bessie. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to uh, get a little compliment here, but you know. <laughs> you suddenly no, you turned knew. into Conan O'Brien. I did. Uh-huh. Oh, well. <laughs> Ari. Oh, string. <laughs> string <laughs> Ari, you're doing a really great job, too. And Betsy, you two are doing a great job. Thank you. Um, well, if, uh, if you find yourself, oh my God, what did we even talk about? Oh my God. I love that you're trying to do the Amanda thing. Uh, I'm but trying. You're also doing the Amanda thing where you don't take notes during it. <laughs> um, if you find yourself kicking someone in the head and refusing <laughs> to apologize, or if you find yourself, uh, learning how to be the next Olympian of (laughs) Mario, or if you find yourself with a PhD in dad, (laughs) just know that you are doing a great job. My mommy drinks. Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan. And I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer... Riley Bray. We make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands, or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're You're here to to believe believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.